Military murder is an independent project and is not endorsed by the Department of Defense or any military component. The views expressed are those of the host. The content of this podcast is not meant to be legal or medical advice. Warning, this episode contains graphic details of murder and is not suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, True Crime Army. I am your host, Margot, and this is Military Murder, a true crime show where I focus on crimes committed by military members and veterans. But don't worry, you don't have to know anything about the military to listen, I promise. You just have to be a true crime enthusiast. And if that's you, welcome home. Thank you to everyone who listened to my dual episode on RJ McLeod last week in English and Spanish. All right, this is just a reminder that if you are running out of content, there is plenty of content waiting for you to binge over in the fan club. And I'm not sure if you know this, but once you sign up, you have access to the entire back catalog. Yes, that means you listen to every single episode completely ad-free. Plus, you get full-length bonus episodes right away. Today's case is out of the UK. This is a listener-recommended case, so thank you all so much for recommending cases on a weekly basis because I had never heard of this case and it is so important for everyone to hear. Join me today as I tell you the story of Alice Rugels. Now, let's dig in. My sources for this episode include a few TV shows that I had never watched before, including a show called One Hour to Catch a Killer and another episode called Shocking Emergency Calls UK. A website that highly informed my research was the Alice Rugels Trust website and articles by The Sun, BBC News, Bustle.com, The Guardian, Chronicle Live, The Daily Mail, The Daily Record, and The Northern Echo. Maxine McGill and her roommate Alice Rugels shared an apartment on Rolling Road in Gateshead, England. Maxine and Alice were also co-workers. They worked at a media giant company called Sky. On Wednesday, October 12, 2016, Maxine drove back to her apartment after work, and the short drive seemed surreal. She couldn't quite put her finger on it, but it just felt like an out-of-body experience, this particular drive. She arrived at her first-floor apartment, and when she tried her key, the apartment was deadbolted from inside. Maxine went outside to look around the apartment, and that's when, according to the Daily Mail, she noticed her open living room window. She hoisted herself up and went inside, tumbling over the couch and landing on the floor. And when she landed, she said it was, quote, deadly silent, end quote. She dusted herself off and walked around in her apartment. And that's when she saw Alice Rugels, her roommate, laying on the bathroom floor, a pool of blood surrounding her. Maxine was sure that Alice was dead. And Maxine called 999, which is like 911 in the U.S. And she told them what she saw. She told them that she was scared. And in the process of explaining what was going on, she blurted out, quote, we knew this was coming. Her ex is an absolute psychopath. I think it's definitely him, end quote. You can actually hear the emergency call and it is terrifying. You can hear the shock and fear in Maxine's voice. And while she's on the phone, a neighbor shows up and Maxine, a true crime junkie, asks, did you hear anything? And then she relays to the emergency operator that the neighbor heard some people talking. Maxine wants to help, but she knows that Alice is dead. Then she hears the ambulance. Soon the call ends. Alice Rugels was born on Christmas Eve, 1991, to Dr. Sue Hill and Professor Clive Rugels. 
Alice was one of four kids. She was the third child born to her parents. She grew up in Leicestershire village of Turlingston, and she attended the Leicestershire High School for Girls. She was a constant joker, and her and the family had a family group chat on WhatsApp, and Alice was known to be an avid contributor to jokes. Her mom even described Alice kind of like the glue that held the family together. Alice was an avid fence player starting at the age of 11, even choosing a college with an excellent fencing program. She attended Northumbria University, where she quickly became the fencing captain. And she even participated at the women's epi competition during the Leeds Open in 2012. Now, I had to research what this meant and what is even an epi. So quick background. Fencing is a combat sport and it includes three types of weapons. There's the epi, the foil and the saber. What? (laughs) So basically, it's, I don't know, like a form of a sword. This was all news to me. The epi is the largest and heaviest of the three weapons. Alice was clearly a bad A with her weapon, as not just anyone gets to compete at this prestigious competition. And just as a side note, that even though Alice was close to her family, the college that she attended was roughly three plus hours away from home. After Alice graduated from university, she was hit with a difficult decision. Should she stay in Newcastle three hours away from her family or should she return home? And many of you can kind of relate to having to make that big decision, right? But the decision was pretty simple when she landed the position of a lifetime with media giant Sky. Alice became site coordinator and eventually PA to the head of sales. Alice was a free spirit and her friends loved her. And she was adventurous, which is why she and her friend visited Indonesia during the holiday in 2015. My research wasn't clear which holiday exactly, but I'm assuming it's the summer break. Well, that's neither here nor there. The whole point is that Alice's friend posted pictures of their trip on Facebook. And soon, in mid-October, a mutual friend commented on the picture of Alice. The man was a British soldier by the name of Tremont Harry Dillon. He wrote something to the effect of, she is the most naturally beautiful woman I have ever seen. And he wasn't lying. Alice was quite the looker. She had these beautiful, big eyes and an infectious smile. How Alice and Harry began communicating is unclear because my research revealed two ways. One source says that Alice was flattered by the comment and she messaged him, and that's how they began chatting. But the other source says that Harry, well, he reached out to the mutual friend and asked that the person make a virtual introduction. It doesn't matter how they started chatting. The point was that they made contact and immediately began communicating nonstop. Harry was a lance corporal in the British Army, and during the time that they met on Facebook in October of 2015, he was actually serving in a non-combat role in Afghanistan. They communicated over Facebook and over Skype, and they were really looking forward to meeting in person. And that time would come in January of 2016. Who is Harry Dillon? Harry Dillon was an only child born and raised in India. He was a military brat and moved often because his father was in the army. Harry was raised in a very religious psych household. So he always felt that he had to maintain that religious good boy appearance when he was around his family. Harry attended university in India, but at the midpoint, he learned about a study abroad program in the UK with the Queen Margaret University. The university is in Scotland. That sounded like an excellent way to expand his horizons, so he gave it a shot. In 2010, he moved close to 5,000 miles from home, but with the distance, he felt a sense of freedom. During his time at Queen Margaret University, 
Army recruiters showed up to the college and Harry listened attentively as the recruiters described a pretty cush sounding gig. The opportunity to serve in the Royal Army sounded like a great opportunity and it would allow him to stay in the UK longer. So he applied and was accepted. After graduating from university, Harry attended army training and he was ultimately assigned to the Glencourse Barracks near Edinburgh. During his service, according to the daily record, he attended training at Sandhurst Academy and he even worked as a royal guard, protecting the royal family on visits to Scotland. During his tour in Afghanistan, he began chatting with Alice Rugels and the virtual relationship seemed to be blossoming. Alice even told her family that she was sure that Harry was the one. In January of 2016, when Harry was on his mid-tour leave, he and Alice spent a week in Newcastle and then another week in Edinburgh before he had to return to Afghanistan to finish off his tour. By April of 2016, Harry was back in country and he and Alice were getting pretty serious. But at the time that he and Alice were getting serious, people began to notice subtle changes in Alice. Changes that wouldn't make sense until it was far too late. For starters, Harry was hypercritical of Alice. He didn't condone the way that she was living and she soon began to lose weight and she didn't hang out with her friends as often as she had. The Daily Mail reported that Harry told Alice that she needed to dress more, I don't know, conservatively and even picked out some of her clothing. And Harry did something else that was very subtle. As reported by the Daily Mail, Harry would say things to spark arguments between Alice and her friends. At some point, according to the Alice Rugels Foundation website, Harry even took control of Alice's Facebook account. Not only did he have the password, but he also changed it, locking her out and forcing her to create a new account altogether. They had been together only a few months, and by July of 2016, Alice went on summer vacation with her family to Cornwall. Her family noticed something was off. Alice didn't seem like her bubbly self. She was, quote, unhappy and withdrawn, end quote. While everyone else felt that something was off, Dylan described the trip as, quote, perfect. It was soon after this trip that in August of 2016, Alice received a message from a woman. The woman had reached out to Alice to inform her that Dylan was trying to hook up with her via Tinder and he was trying to meet up. The woman, it appears, decided to cyberstalk her Tinder prospect only to find out that he was already dating Alice. Break, break. So for those of you who don't know, Tinder is a dating app, but it is known that people who use Tinder use it as a form of casual dating and hooking up. Anyway, I am sure that people may disagree with that assessment, but I said what I said. Of course, Alice was rightfully pissed and it was exactly the out she needed and maybe that she even secretly wanted. She had created this persona of her Prince Charming, the army soldier who was the one. And as the months went by, she maybe didn't realize that he was a wolf in sheep's clothing. And this was the straw that broke the camel's back. Alice confronted Dylan and broke it off. Alice learned that while she was completely loyal to Dylan, he was off gallivanting on dating websites. And according to the Rugal's Trust website, he was having casual sex with other women. And it was at this point in their relationship that things turned kind of scary for Alice. Although from the outside looking in, Dylan's gestures to win Alice back may seem sweet to some, but it seemed obsessive to others. Dylan bombarded Alice with messages and calls, begging her, begging her to come back to him. The calls and the messages, they were nice and sweet at first. But when Dylan wasn't getting what he wanted, he turned vicious. 
he would flip from nice to threatening. And once Alice decided to block his phone number, he'd call from different phone numbers. And once that phone was also blocked, Dylan would contact Alice's friends and family on Facebook, asking them to convince Alice to return to him. Dylan even had the gall to call Alice's mom to ask her to knock some sense into her daughter. (laughs) Who does that? The only means of communication that Alice hadn't blocked him from was her personal email because she didn't want him to start harassing her using her work email. One of the tactics that Dylan used to try to win Alice back was to threaten to kill himself if she didn't return to him. And he even threatened to release some risque photos of Alice that he had secretly taken without her consent. It was getting bananas. By this point, Alice was living with her roommate, Maxine, and Dylan was so excessive that Maxine, of course, knew all about Dylan. But with time, Alice slowly but surely started to get back into the dating scene. And according to The Sun, she began talking to a German army officer. Well, Dylan found out and he actually had the nerve to reach out to the other man. His name was Mike. Dylan portrayed himself as Alice's current boyfriend and tried to make Mike think that she was playing both of them. Dylan even attempted to hack into Mike's Facebook account. And if you thought things were weird, you just wait. Hi, everyone. For anyone who follows me on Instagram, I recently posted a picture of me with my kiddos at Disney in front of the Disney castle. But I posted it because my shoulders were looking on fire, defined, toned, and overall just pleasant to look at. So many of you asked me in my DMs for my secret. And of course, my secret is 4 a.m. workouts. But I get the oomph to wake up at 4 a.m. and work out from my pre-workout drink called Energy Explosion. My pre-workout powder was created by world-renowned fitness guru Natalia Melofit. I have been following Natalia for many years now. And in fact, after my second C-section, I hired her as my fitness trainer, and she also helped me postpartum with my third C-section as well. So when she came out with a pre-workout supplement that didn't cause any of the jitters and the crashing, I knew I needed to try it. Energy Explosion helps with energy, and it keeps me going all through the morning hours. Because I take it first thing in the morning, which is when I choose to work out, I no longer require that morning cup of joe. This pre-workout has nootropic ingredients, which significantly help me personally with mental clarity and focus, which listen, when you're juggling what feels like hundreds of tasks a day, it truly does help. And guess what? My listeners are getting 15% off your order. What? Yes, please. If you're ready to get the pump without the jitters, visit mbodysup.com and enter my code MAMAMARGO at checkout for 15% off your order. That's M as in Mike, body, sup as in Sierra, uniform, papa, papa, dot com. Add energy explosion to your car and use my code Mama Margo, that's M-A-M-A-M-A-R-G-O-T, for 15% off. Enjoy. And when you use it, please DM me so we can talk about your workouts. On September 30th, 2016, Alice was at home when she heard the doorbell ring. She went over and she looked through the people and she saw no one. This occurred a few times and Alice was beginning to feel panicky. But after a while, it stopped and she went to her room. She was laying down when she heard a knock at her window. And when she opened the curtains, she saw Dylan standing at the window backing up. On her windowsill, he had laid flowers and chocolate. The situation made Alice feel really uneasy because she had already told him that she wanted nothing to do with him. 
and he actually had to jump a fence to get to that window. Dylan left, and as he was in his car, he called Alice again. She didn't answer, but he left a voicemail, and it was super creepy. The voicemail said something to the effect of, quote, I don't want to kill you. I won't kill you, end quote. So this was it. Alice was scared. Why would he say that? Was he ever going to stop? Was she ever going to feel like she wasn't being watched? Around midnight, Alice decided to call the non-emergency number for the police, 101. This call can actually be heard online. And Alice is such a sweet, sweet girl. She sounds like she's calling to report a missing cat. She's not yelling and she's patient and kind with the operator. She tells the operator that she broke up with an ex-boyfriend three months ago and he's constantly contacting her. She tells the operator that she has discussed with friends and family and they think that she should report him. The operator listens to Alice and then tells her that there's two things that they can do. They can issue a police information notice or a PIN, or she can get an injunction from the court. The operator explains that if the perpetrator violates the PIN, he can actually be arrested. When asked which she would prefer, Alice indicates she wants to go the route of the PIN. The operator annotates the incident as a harassment incident, and they send someone to Alice's house to get more details the following morning, and they complete the pin. A few days later, army officials notify Dylan of the police information notice against him, and they very sternly tell him to knock it off. This infuriates Dylan. So he decides he is going to return all of the items that remind him of Alice. He packs them all up and he includes a note. Then he sends the package to Alice. On October 7th, 2016, Alice received the package and when she opened it, it sent chills down her spine. There was nothing shocking in the package, but it finally occurred to her that not even getting police involved would keep this monster away. In the letter to Alice, Dylan basically chastised her for ratting him out to his superiors. And now she might be the reason he gets in trouble is what he says. He rants on and on about how the army took his electronics, which is a lie, by the way. And he wrote, quote, I'm in a lot of now, but hope you feel happy now. I'm sending you everything I have that reminds me of you as you belong to another man. Wishing you two a happy life. I will never come in your life again, end quote. Excuse me? Did you catch how he referred to Alice as a piece of property, i.e. you belong to another man? Ugh, that is absolutely disgusting, in my opinion. That same day that Alice received the package, she called the authorities to tell them that Dylan violated the pin. The operator on this call does not seem too concerned. In fact, he mentioned that the person in charge of that is out of the office and they will call her back some other time. But he does ask Alice if she would like him, meaning Dylan, arrested and Alice says no. We later learn that this is not a question you ask a victim. Arresting someone is up to the authorities. The thing about the call is that the caller failed to hear the fear in Alice's sweet voice. And I'm not just saying that because she's the victim in this story. Her voice is genuinely sweet. During the call, she even told the operator that the note said that he would not be contacting her again. But he had told her that on so many other occasions that she just didn't believe him anymore. After the call, Alice was still uneasy, so much so that she even began to have her coworkers drop her off right in front of her apartment. And as soon as she walked inside, she ensured that all of the doors were locked. Wednesday, October 12th was like any other day. 
Alice went to work and she got off work at around 5 p.m. She can be seen leaving the Sky Building at about 5.15 p.m. And Alice and her co-worker, Paul, they're standing in front of the elevator shooting the breeze. And this is actually caught on CCTV footage. At about 5.30 p.m., Paul can be seen on CCTV footage dropping Alice off right in front of her house. Alice and Paul, they chat for a few seconds before she pops the door open and heads home. At 5.45 p.m., Alice tried on this really beautiful evening gown. It's a sky blue with a deep front plunge, and she messaged her new love interest with a selfie with the dress on, and she asks, too much? First off, girl, no, it is not too much. It's perfect. There's some more messages that are exchanged between the two. And while all of this is going on, Maxine, Alice's roommate, was leaving work. When she arrived home, she found that the door was locked and she climbed in through the open window. Maxine was distraught. No, she was devastated at finding her roommate dead. But Maxine was no joke. She was so quick to mention Dylan's name and his threats that police immediately began to search for Harry Dylan. There's a show called An Hour to Catch a Killer with Trevor McDonald, and they did an amazing job covering Alice's case. During this episode, they described the major steps that detectives took in order to find Alice's killer. The lead detective on Alice's case is Detective Chief Inspector Lisa Theaker. The first thing they do is they assemble the murder squad. They find out what kind of car Dylan drives and they input his license plate number into their automatic number plate recognition system. And it's some real like Big Brother 1984 technology. They want to know exactly where Dylan was before Alice's murder, during her murder, and after her murder. And it isn't too long until they get a hit on Dylan's car. While he should have been sitting his butt in Glencore's barracks, his car was actually spotted leaving the barracks early in the day and heading towards Alice's house. Not only that, but his car was caught on CCTV footage a bit away from Alice's apartment. Then, after she was dropped off by Paul, Dylan's car moved closer. Then, minutes after the time between 6 and 6.30 p.m. when Alice was murdered, you can actually see Harry's car leaving the area quickly and making the 120-mile trip back to Glencore's barracks. The preliminary evidence is quite overwhelming. So by 8.30 p.m., an arrest warrant is issued for his arrest. That is two hours after Alice was found by her roommate. And it wouldn't be hard to find Harry because he was back at Glencore's barracks acting like he had no idea why the police were there. When police showed up at about midnight, it is evident that he had been in some sort of altercation because he has two large cat-like scratches on his face. One large scratch on the left side of his face and one on the right side of his neck. They tell him he is being arrested for suspicion in the murder of Alice Rugels. And he asks, quote, are you saying that Alice is dead? End quote. Dude, stop playing around. The jig is up. The chief investigator, Theaker, explains that in their legal system, you can keep someone up to 24 hours before charging them with a crime. And right now they only have the fact that his car is in the vicinity. They feel like they need more so they get to work. As soon as they seize Harry's BMW, they find a bit of blood on the steering wheel and they find blood on the engraved part of his plastic bracelet. So they put in an expedited request to get those examined. They also immediately request Alice's phone records. During questioning, Harry has his attorney present and he's answering questions initially. They don't mess around and they begin with asking if he killed Alice. He quickly says no. 
they ask if he was present and he quickly says no again. As I initially watched the interview, I believed that he was going to deny everything. But when investigators ask him what he did that day, he immediately says he went to Alice's house. Okay, not looking good for you, man, if this is true. So he told detectives that he drove to her house because he just wanted answers. He wanted to speak to Alice. He admitted that he knocked on her window while she was sitting on the couch and that she was startled, but he said he never entered the home. He said that at some point she opened a window or the back door and he tried to hug her, but she pulled back and scratched him on the face. Then he made some shocking statements that even left the investigator with bulging eyes. He claimed that Alice told him, quote, I don't want to speak to you or see you. I've heard stories about guys like you who kill their girlfriends and I don't want to die. I want to live, end quote. At that point, he begged her, quote, please, when people break up, they at least give each other a hug or say goodbye, end quote. Then he said that she scratched him and said something to the effect of, quote, F off, you creep, end quote. The interview room is now quiet, but investigators press on and question him about Alice's phone because Surprisingly, that is missing from the crime scene. And remember, Alice was messaging with her new boo just minutes before she was murdered. Harry said he saw Alice holding it, the cell phone that is. In fact, he claimed she had the emergency numbers dialed and that she threatened to click send as she showed him and told him to go away. So he says he left and he claimed that she had the phone when he left. Besides this, they got nothing else out of Harry. But back with the murder squad, investigators received the initial expedited evidence and the test results. The blood on the steering wheel and the bracelet do in fact belong to Alice Rugels. And her cell phone, while they don't have the actual cell phone, they do have the cell phone records that reveal that it followed the same path that Harry drove when he left Alice's house and returned to the barracks. Once they have all this information, they meet with Harry one last time before charging him And when he sticks to his story, they confront him with the blood evidence and the cell phone evidence. And at that point, he responds by only saying, quote, no comment, end quote. It's at this point that he is formally charged with murder. Recently, I covered two unsolved cases, which I am sure caused you to pause and analyze your inner detective. Well, if you want to hone in on that inner detective, then you need to check out June's Journey. June's Journey is a mobile game that you can play anywhere while connected to Wi-Fi. June's Journey takes you through the main character, June's, adventure to uncover family secrets. Her first task is to uncover the mystery of her sister's death. You will be using your keen eye to spot hidden clues in the immersive scenes that take you across the globe. The scene is set in the 1920s, so it's like going back in time. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game, and I love playing while waiting for my kids at the bus stop. It allows me to clear my mind from the tasks of the day and to refocus on my mommy duties. What I love about June's Journey is that not only are you searching for objects, but you can join other players online in a detective club. And then you also get to design this luxurious island estate that is all yours. And if you have friends who play, you can gift each other trees, flowers, and other amazing decorative items. Today, I invite you to escape reality and immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Go ahead, download June's Journey today. 
And you know what I find extremely interesting? Harry didn't shed one tear when he heard that the woman he allegedly loved had been murdered. You would think that someone not involved would be more shocked or taken aback, but not Harry. Besides his eyes bulging out of his head, there was no other expression on his face. In fact, he had that same expression that many murderers have on their face when their mugshots are taken, just a complete blank gaze. It would take only a few months before Harry was tried at the Newcastle Crown Court in April of 2017. At trial, he changed his story yet again. This time, he took the stand in his own defense. According to The Sun, he admitted to being in the home with Alice, but said that Alice was about to attack him when she accidentally stabbed herself with a knife as they scuffled and she fell. Yeah, okay, buddy, whatever. The Daily Record reported that according to the prosecution, Harry slit Alice's throat six times from ear to ear and even severed all the way to the spine. It was a savage, savage attack. There is no way that her injuries were the result of an accident. In total, Alice suffered 24 injuries to her body. You already know all the evidence against Harry, but in addition to the CCTV footage, the blood evidence, the scratches on Harry's face, and the cell phone evidence, the prosecution revealed just how depraved Harry was. Minutes before murdering his ex-girlfriend in cold blood, Harry was on his phone attempting to line up a post-murder date using Tinder and the Plenty of Fish dating apps. And that's not all. Two days before the murder, Harry made the trek from his barracks to Alice's house for recon. While he was there, he took pictures of her window. At trial, Harry tried to argue that the reason he didn't seek help for Alice as she died was because, as reported by the Daily Record, when Harry saw Alice covered in blood, he had a, quote, flashback to a helicopter crash in which five colleagues died, end quote. And this was during his time in Afghanistan. It was further reported, though, that this was false, as Harry had never actually seen the casualties. It's not surprising to learn that he was, in fact, convicted and sentenced to life in prison. He must serve a minimum of 22 years in prison before he will be considered for release. The judge at his trial was not one bit sympathetic towards him. In fact, the judge said, quote, not a shed of remorse have you shown from first to last. Indeed, you were concentrating so hard on getting your story right when giving evidence. You forgot even to shed a crocodile tear, end quote. One of the saddest things to learn is that Harry had actually had a restraining order against him from a different ex-girlfriend from 2012. According to the Daily Record, Nico Nemeth broke things off with her then-boyfriend, Harry. But he didn't take the breakup well, and he spit in her face. She obtained a restraining order, and he was charged with common assault. But after he accepted the restraining order, the charge was dropped. The BBC has done extensive coverage on this case and the aftermath because there has been a lot of aftermath. For starters, there was a domestic homicide review by the Gateshead Community Safety Board. They conducted an internal investigation into the police department that responded to Alice's calls before her tragic murder. The review resulted in significant scrutiny on the department and the army. For starters, the report concluded that, quote, 
Miss Rugels was subjected to significant stalking and the army officials failed to record a previous domestic assault charge against Dylan in Kent, end quote. It appears that just as occurs in the U.S., quote, there was a lack of clarity about the roles and responsibilities of the Home Office, police, and armed forces, which led to some confusion about how best to deal with the perpetrator, end quote. Just like the independent investigation into Fort Hood had recommendations, the current case did as well, and the review resulted in 20 recommendations. One of the biggest recommended changes was making it illegal to blackmail someone with intimate pictures. After the report was released, the Army responded. Brigadier General Christopher Coles spoke for the Army and he said, quote, We are committed to tackling domestic abuse and last year launched a strategy to help prevent domestic abuse in all its forms, end quote. Ultimately, according to reporting by The Guardian, two police officers were disciplined after Alice's case. Basically, the skinny is that they got a stern warning and had to complete additional training. Alice's family is adamant that Alice's story needs to be told. They want to tell her story, quote, to highlight the dangers of coercive behavior and stalking, end quote. The son also reported that her parents believe that it was Alice's polite demeanor on the phone with emergency services that led them to miss the severity of the situation. Alice's mom, Dr. Hill, actually blames herself for teaching her kids to be so polite and to see good in others. And that just really made me so sad. Alice's family has created the Alice Rugels Trust to keep her memory alive and to raise money for good causes and provide training and education centered on the issue of stalking. And they are doing just that. According to an article in the Northern Echo Online, in 2019, the Durham Constabulary teamed up with the Alice Rugels Trust to promote teaching teens signs of an unhealthy relationship. It's an hour-long interactive course aimed at 14 to 16-year-olds and it's a great relationship safety resource. The Chronicle Live reported the deep regret that Alice's mother and father continuously carry. Dr. Sue Hills, Alice's mom, has said that she feels like she failed her daughter, saying, quote, this feeling of failure will stay with me forever, end quote. And adding, quote, she would never forgive herself for advising her daughter that if she ignored Dylan, he would eventually stop contacting her, end quote. Alice's father shares a similar sentiment, stating, quote, we all share a sense of guilt. Rationally, we know only one person is responsible. All of us feel we should have paid more attention to aspects of his personality that perhaps should have forewarned us, end quote. Ultimately, Harry and only Harry is responsible for Alice's murder. Harry thought Alice was his possession, and whether that is something he was taught at home or learned along the way, that is a big red flag. I wanted to end this episode with revealing some red flags that I found that I thought might be helpful for any of my listeners in spotting these behaviors in their own relationship or in someone else's relationship. Joinonelove.org revealed four such warning signs, and I'm going to link this in the show notes. The first one is a person who is contacting you constantly. This is typical behavior with social media but this can escalate quickly. Number two, someone who is obtaining details before you provide them. Warning number three, someone who is monitoring you excessively. This means constantly tracking you and wanting to know your whereabouts and always wanting to know 
who you're with. Warning sign number four, someone who shows up unannounced. The example given is if you tell someone that you have plans with friends and they all of a sudden show up where you are going unannounced. This is a big red flag. If you're in the U.S., there are resources for anyone facing stalking. Of course, contacting 911 is always your first stop if you are in an immediate threat. The Department of Justice at justice.gov has a lot of great resources, including finding help for victims, describing what stalking is, and even giving some other resources. Another source is the National Center for Victims of Crimes, and they can be reached by dialing 855, the number four, followed by victim. That's 855-484-2846. You can also visit justice.gov slash OVW slash stalking. In the UK, you can contact authorities and you can contact the support hotline at 0170-9765-200. To Alice's family, I hope that by telling Alice's story on my platform, her story can help other young men and women who find themselves in the same situation as she did. But not only the victims of stalking, I hope this story reaches the loved ones who might be able to step in and help in moments of despair. But you know who else could take a lesson from this story? Potential stalkers. Hey, if he or she says the relationship is over, it's over. Initially trying to mend a broken relationship is normal, but stepping into the obsessed line, that is not okay and you need to get help. And just real quick, Stick around after the credits because I am going to be introducing you to a true crime podcast called Strictly Stalking, a show hosted by Jamie and Jake, where they tell stories of stalking. But don't take their word for it because they interview survivors themselves. All right, everyone, make sure that you follow me on social media where I will share pictures of Alice. Best place to follow me is on TikTok at Military Margot with a T at the end. I post military true crime snippets on there all the time. Also, feel free to follow me on Instagram at Military Murder Podcast. This show was created by Mama Margot Productions and produced in collaboration with my bootcamp and higher fan club members. The music was created by Tyops. Until next time, remember, you never really know what someone is capable of. So remain vigilant always. You have a fabulous week and I'll keep digging to bring you another military murder story next week. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Strictly Stalking. It's been over a year of sharing powerful stories and we love having new people find us on our journey. Please subscribe to get new content every week and don't forget to rate and review. We've had some really compelling guests join us, including Diane Neal from Law & Order SVU, who shared her stalking story on our podcast for the first time. That's right, and we have some more amazing things in store. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear more about stalking, check out Strictly Stalking. I would highly suggest starting with episode 26. It's an episode called A Dangerous Obsession, Stalking Brianna. The episode was released on July 14th, 2020, and it involves a former soldier, and it is freaky.